tuned to the Podfathers on RadioSOS.net and it's great to be with you today now that we're finally podcasting and off the launching pad. Perhaps I should be saying launching pod. In any case, the Podfathers and RadioSOS.net is an Australian Catholic new media initiative and we'll be showcasing some excellent Catholic talent both from the clergy and from the lay just under the intercession of St. Joseph and Holy Mother Church. And given that we've just started Lent, Ash Wednesday yesterday, the 17th of February 2010, our first program for the Podfathers really should be about Lent, and that's what we're going to do. And we really want to make this the best Lent ever. And we've turned this program, Lent, the journey towards the true, the good and the beautiful. And our special guest today is Father John Rizzo, who hails all the way from snowy Boston. I'm not sure if it's snowing there at the moment. Probably is. (laughs) (laughs) And this was the title of a recent homily Father gave, and I had the privilege to hear Father Rizzo's inspiring homily on Septuagesima Sunday only two weeks ago, and it gave me the idea for this first program in the Podfather series. So welcome, Father John. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Francis. It's a pleasure to be here. And as you mentioned... Uh, perhaps I was quoting the Holy Father at the time. You mentioned that sermon that I gave. Uh, you said it was inspiring. Thank you very much. I have to say that the words of the Holy Father himself are very inspiring. So I appreciate your input on that. And I, I think it's also rather rapt that you're actually our first Podfather, given that I think that there is a bit of Sicilian in your background somewhere. Yes, how true. So to call this the Podfather, indeed, I was really impressed by that. Very close to the Godfather. I must say, uh, my few material possessions, I do have the trilogy of the Godfather series. So maybe I'm in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I have no enemies. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Look, to kick things off, can I first ask you, after hearing that, that homily two weeks ago, I felt the, the material was really too good to just let it be heard by the chosen few that were mm-hmm. at Mass. Yes. And for those that... Are listening to this this podcast and that weren't there can you just sort of give us an overview or a summary of sure what what you were saying well, the holy father when he came to australia for world youth day really addressed the young people with the idea of the very reason why the soul was created and he was telling the young people about these three so-called transcendentals if you will that the soul was created to pursue that which is truthful that which is good and that which is beautiful So the Holy Father gave quite a bit of a comparison between the exact opposite, the opposite of truth being lies or deceptiveness to the fact that the world would lie to them and just consider them as a consumer, so to speak, in a variety of different markets. Then when he came to the idea of the good and the idea that it's not a subjective good but an objective good, which is God himself, the world will present many distractions to young people when it comes to the young people wanting to direct their lives towards what is good, but the world will present many distractions. Then, of course, the beautiful, a beautiful transcendental, so to speak, whereby nowadays, again, the Holy Father explaining it to the young people, that the world presents its own type of beauty, a very subjective beauty, a beauty that is really ugliness when you stop to think of it. Mm. So, So the Holy Father was encouraging them to see that their main purpose in life, their main goal in life, must be to pursue the truth, the good and the beautiful, which is founded in Christ himself. And obviously now, moving into Lent, we're, we're moving towards the, the Paschal season at Easter. 
So it's obviously something very important that, that we need to keep in our minds. Yes, yes, that's right. If you look at Lent through the eyes of the truth, through the eyes of the good, and through the eyes of the beautiful, consider Christ in the midst of his passion, the truth of his passion, for example, the truth of his passion that brings about our redemption. Our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, look at the way, the way of the cross. Look at the truth, his gospel that he expounded here upon earth for our salvation. And some of that gospel being that if you wish to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. Okay, and then that of the beautiful, we can consider, for example, yes, the beauty of the cross, we call it Good Friday for a reason, don't we? So, but the beauty of our Lord's passion in terms of fulfilling his plan of saving our soul. And that plan is renewed daily upon our altars. You talk about the truth, the good, and the beautiful. It is found in the liturgy, in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Which is Calvary all over again. Yes. What, what interested me also, because I really started thinking about, about this whole Paschal season, and I think from a, from a catechesis point of view, it would be good if you could give us an insight as to the origins of the season of Lent. Obviously 40 in the, both the Old Testament and New Testament is a very important number. And, I mean, the first thing we can think of is our Lord's time in the desert for 40 days. Yes. But why, why 40? Why is well, that first so? of all, let's go to, you mentioned the word septuagesima. Mm. That's a Greek word meaning 70. And in the earlier days of the church, the Lenten season actually was a full 70 days in anticipation of the joys of Easter. Somewhat cut back to 40. You mentioned the number 40. I won't say it's a magical number. Mm -hmm. We can call it a mystical number. Yes, our Lord spent 40 days in the desert. So in the spirit of her founder, the Catholic Church will indeed institute the idea of 40 days for the faithful to find ourselves in a spiritual desert doing what our Lord did, to pray, to fast, to do some sort of penance. And in the midst of that, here it is, even our, our Lord doing all these meritorious things, he was still tempted by the devil. So it's a reminder of our own human weakness. So the 40 days in the desert, the 40 days of Lent. But go to the Old Testament, go to the book of Genesis, the 40 days of the great flood, for example, and Noah and a few survivors upon the ark. The great flood took place as an act of purgation, an act of purging or cleansing because of the sins of the world. Well, Lent gives us that same opportunity to purge ourselves and to benefit the world in which we live. 40 is a beautiful mystical number, as you put it. Indeed, in terms of the 40 days of Lent, the 40 days of the flood, the 40 days of Christ in the desert, the 40 years of exile that the Israelites had to undergo as well, they found themselves in the desert until finally the promised land before their eyes. So yes, we can see the number 40, and we consider that again in the season of Lent. Very beautiful correspondence there when we consider the Old Testament and the New Testament combined. There was one point that you, you meant, just mentioned about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Obviously, that's three pillars that we're told about to think and, and to ponder and to do while we're in Lent. Yes. What's the best way to easily focus on those three things? Oh, very good question. I think, for one thing, as you said, now the Catechism enumerates these as the three great works, to pray, to fast, and to almsgive. When we consider putting those elements together within these 40 days, if we can consider the idea of what is praying, raising the mind and the heart to God, our Lord praying in the Garden of Olives, you know, to start off his passion. The idea that we likewise want to find ourselves in that ongoing spirit of prayer during these 40 days of Lent. Our Lord fasting in the desert, we can consider even one of the temptations to the devil through at our Lord, you know, turn these stones into bread, you know, the idea of this type of thing. And our Lord saying, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
So we see here fasting benefiting us in terms of raising our minds and our hearts to God. Yes, fasting helps us to abstain from legitimate goods so we can be strong against the illegitimate goods that the world will throw at us. Almsgiving, if you look at that, the idea, and that's always been an early custom of the church. You see that in the, in the New Testament, our Lord praising the widow, the widow's might, and so forth. Um, one of the greatest temptations that we find in today's world is the idea of greed. Gosh, look at the world recession. That was really founded because of greed. Mm. So almsgiving helps us to have that spirit of generosity that helps us to see others less fortunate than we and being able to use that generosity to remind ourselves we're not meant to be attached to the things of this world. So praying in order to elevate the mind and the heart to God, fasting, strengthening the will, but also now almsgiving to again give us that spirit of generosity. And we need all those three elements in the season of Lent. Having said that, here in the West, we, we become a bit complacent and, and fasting becomes a very difficult, well, not difficult, but well, for some of us, it, it, it's difficult. And I think because we're, we're showered in comfort here, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get too complacent and to think, oh, this is just another Lent. And we sort of get into a, into a cruise mode. How do you respond to that? I would respond, first of all, by saying that every new Lent that we look forward to from year to year gives us a greater opportunity, a deeper opportunity to more intimately unite ourselves to our Lord. We can't make it mechanical. We're not meant to make make our communions mechanical. We're not meant to make our confessions mechanical. I can remember once when I was visiting uh, the Missionaries of Charity, Mother Teresa's group, and, and I was offering Mass for a group of them just outside Mildura. They have a beautiful sign in their sacristy. It was probably found in all their religious houses around the world. It said, O priest of God, offer this Mass as if it was your first Mass, your last Mass, your only Mass. We can apply those words saying, O Christian, O Holy One of God, O Sinner of God, however you want to look at it, O Sinful Christian, O Holy Christian, look at this Lent as if it was your first Lent, your last Lent, your only Lent. And if we did look at it like that, we can honestly say, how can we make that mechanical? We would want every year to have a stronger incentive to make sure that our Lent is a very fruitful one. Yeah, people are saying, oh, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. It's more than that. We want to give up sin for Lent, then we fill the gap. We fill the gap with holiness, the idea of virtue. We give up legitimate goods again so that we can make sure that the will is strong and temptations come our way and will assail us to try to accept illegitimate goods. What is sin? Theologically, it's defined as a false good. So fasting helps us to stay away from the true goods, you know, things like that, our food and so forth. And by so doing, we remind ourselves, Lord, I am fasting not to lose weight, not to look good, but Lord, to look good in your eyes and to make sure that my fasting that I do with my body will benefit my soul. And if we could wake up to that thought every day during Lent, fasting becomes a prayer. It's not a burden. That's what we want in the season of Lent. Obviously, common sense and prudence would dictate to us how much fasting and so forth. Just to follow on from what you were saying, a good friend of mine said one time, you need to pray with your body. So rather than thinking of fasting, which is negative, think of the fact that you're you're actually praying with your body to strengthen your will. Yes, that's a very good way of looking at it. That's right, exactly. What's what's the two great commandments? To love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole self, your whole body. Yeah, so the fasting is a great way of practicing those two great commandments. Well, look, there's a lot of great information that you've given us today but as a way of of wrapping up on on this topic about Lent Father could you just give us say three tips that that we could go ahead and implement 
to actually make this the, the best Lent ever to, and to work towards greater holiness. Sure, okay, appreciate that, Francis. I think maybe tip number one would be to consider the words of St. Ignatius Loyola in his spiritual exercises. He says, when the devil tempts you to take away two minutes of prayer, add four minutes of prayer. So the idea then that when we attempted to try to go back on our Lenten resolves, that we give that much the more to Almighty God. So if the devil tempts us, we respond with those words of our Lord in the, de- in the desert, be gone, Satan, and at the same time, we make a stronger resolve to pray that much the more. Okay? I would say, so tip number one then, would be that idea of the words of St. Ignatius. When the devil tempts us, we react even more strongly in terms of the path of virtue. Secondly, let's really discipline the mind to meditate on the passion of Christ. Quoting another saint, St. Alphonsus Liguori, he says that a mind occupied with the passion of Christ cannot sin. So with that idea in mind, when temptation tries to cross the threshold of our soul, if we're immediately fixing our mind to the sufferings of Christ, we won't sin. We'll see what happened, or in terms of the fruits of sin would be our Lord agonizing upon the cross. So that would be tip number two, I would say. And then tip number three, that at the end of the day, through the practice of the virtue of humility, we recognize our faults, but we make for ourselves that praiseworthy habit of a daily examine of conscience at the end of the day, and then to close off the day with a beautiful act of contrition. You know, we just read recently, in fact, for Ash Wednesday, we read in the, in the epistle, render not your garments, but render your heart. And what is a rendered heart? The very word contrition means a broken heart. So I would say that would be tip number three, that spirit of contrition. That's fantastic, Father. Thank you so much oh. for being with us today. No, thank you. And God bless you, Apostle Francis. I'm so pleased with this. Well, I just think it's so important. We, it is. We need to, to really help the faithful. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously the first of hopefully many Podfather programs. And I'm sure that w- there's a lot of inspiring thoughts that we've got from today's questioning I, and I hope answers. so, Francis. Thank you. If I may have one more mm. thought, if I may. Uh, it's, we find ourselves in the year of the priest. And I think in the Lenten season, that much the more must priests realize their role as priest and to offer that ongoing act of reparation, a holy mass. The Holy Father lamented when he wrote out to start off the year of the priest, he lamented that many priests feel burdened, you know, and feel discouraged, you know, because there are so few confessions the priests are really overjoyed. Any priest who's really doing his job is so happy when the people come looking for the sacraments, particularly the sacrament of penance. So it's, it's a great year to have this Lenten season in the year of the priest. That's great, Father John. And for those of you that are in Sydney, I think that next week you might be giving a talk at the Guardians. Yes, on Wednesday. Yes, next Wednesday, correct. But if, if you can't, if you're not in Sydney, you're somewhere else in the world, then you'll soon be able to hear Father John in, in this particular podcast. And again, I say thank you because I ca- actually can't wait to go back and, and listen to this again because there's so many good things there. Hopefully, we'll have you back again as a podfather. I hope down so the track. too, Francis. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed this. Look, stay tuned and watch out in your email boxes for more interesting podfather programs. In the meantime, our other signature program on RadioSOS.net is called Lifeboat, and we'll be giving you all the latest news and informations about the 40 Days for Life Pray to End Abortion campaign happening in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne, plus 130 other locations worldwide. There's a lot in the US happening right now. So see our website for more details. 
But we're going to finish up now, and we'll actually ask Father to lead us in an Our Father. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This program has been brought to you by Colby Communications in association with Radio SOS.net.